0: Welcome to Recode Media. With Peter Kafka, that is me, recording from my house like I always do these days. It's a pandemic. I hope you're well. I hope you're safe. Uh, today we have a special, specially timed episode of Recode Media because this week is the launch of HBO Max. Since you listen to Recode Media, you know that HBO Max is Time Warner slash AT and T's attempt to start catching up to Netflix, like everyone else is trying to do. Uh, Obviously, we've seen Disney launch, we've seen Apple TV launch, Quibi launched, uh, Peacock, NBC's uh, version of this, has kind of launched, but we'll launch some more later on. It's pretty interesting time to be talking about all this stuff, so I'm glad we got to talk to Bob Greenblatt. He is chairman of Warner Media Entertainment. That's much of what used to be called Time Warner. Uh, He's also specifically in charge of their direct-to-consumer slash HBO Max rollout. Okay, that's his, his bona fides. Again, I think you guys know what HBO Max is at this point, but conceptually, the idea is AT&T slash Warner Media is rolling what used to be called HBO, still called HBO, into this bigger thing, uh, this bigger bundle, I call it HBO, plus a bunch of other stuff. There's old shows like Friends, there's some new stuff they're making, some new movies, there's going to be a new version of the Justice League movie, The Snyder Cut, we did indeed talk about that. And eventually, right now, if you are an HBO subscriber, the idea is in most cases, they wanna sort of automatically roll in your subscription and you become an HBO Max subscriber without having to pay more. That might happen automatically, depending on who you signed up with. You may have to unsubscribe and resubscribe. Uh, If it doesn't work, do not complain to me. Um, But they're trying to get this all set so it happens fairly smoothly. And then the question is, will anyone who's not an HBO subscriber sign up for HBO Max? I'm skeptical but that's the great thing we get to see how it all pans out Bob Greenblatt's an interesting guy to talk to he used to run NBC entertainment before that he ran Showtime which means that he is one of the executives who helped Netflix grow by selling um old shows to Netflix which Netflix used to then stream and help sort of train consumers to watch TV shows on Netflix instead of their original station original network um so we talked about that a bit that is interesting and like i said we did indeed talk about the snyder cut so if you're listening all the way through and you want to hear some great snyder cut talk including the the maybe price tag of what it's going to cost to re-edit this thing and remake it that's at the end of this conversation but you should listen to the whole thing it's great you get to hear it right now for free bob greenblatt thank you for taking time um I know you have a lot of things going on and I know the only reason you're talking to me is because you are a fellow Wisconsin alum, so go bucky. Totally. Or whatever it's, our slogan was. And
1: I think they I think Wisconsin's open again, so that's either good news or bad news. I'm not sure which.
0: Uh, I don't think it's really good news, but we'll do that in a different podcast. We'll take that offline. So, you are chairman of Warner Media Entertainment. You are head of direct-to-consumer. You've got a quizzical look on your face as you're staring at your iPhone, but I don't mind. Um, you're launching HBO Max uh, within a day or two of when this podcast comes out. So two-prong question, why does AT&T slash Warner Media need HBO Max, and why does a consumer need HBO Max?
1: Well, that could be the whole length of the podcast, those, those two yeah. questions, right? Well. I don't want to speak for AT and T, but I know that they wanted to acquire Warner Media, uh, these assets, for one reason: in order to launch a direct-to-consumer business. Because we all know that's the future. Whether you're just an entertainment company, or you're a telecommunications company, or you're a technical company, and I believe once we get HBO Max firmly off the ground and landed, there is. A great deal of potential for other at and products down the line in the future to also be part of this platform. So I think this is the beginning of a long-term strategy, and what we're trying to do is just launch the basic platform, and then it will grow uh, from there. And you know, the second part of the question is why is it going to be good for the consumer? Um, I think it's a wildly exciting value proposition, which in, I guess, layman-speak, is to say that we have a lot of great content. I mean, it's an extraordinary level of excellence. And it, of course, starts with the HBO service in its complete totality. And beyond that, we have extraordinary library content from arguably the greatest film and television libraries in the world at Warner Brothers, And we've acquired third-party content, and I can go into more detail on all that. But we're also making a whole new slate of original uh, content that we call Max Originals, which will fill out the programming that HBO doesn't currently offer. And by that I mean aimed at younger demos, kids, teenagers, young adults, as well as genres that HBO doesn't typically do. Such as uh, scripted and un- unscripted and reality shows. So when you put all that together, we think it is uh, pretty undeniable.
0: So I'm an HBO subscriber, and uh, there's what 35 million of us, give or take, in the U.S. And I think a bunch of us are going to get HBO Max for free. You're just going to sort of convert our subscription automatically. That's not um, free.
1: Let me just let me just cut in that that isn't for fun. free because you're still paying for the service, right? You're just going to get exactly. HBO Max at the same price, but with twice the content.
0: I'm not spending any more. You're giving me more stuff. Right. If I haven't bought HBO before, if I've known, if I know what HBO is, I've got some idea of, and I said, it is not for me. I am not paying. What is the thing that is going to get me to pay the 15 bucks for HBO Max? And, and by, by the way, who am I? Like, what kind of person is someone who hasn't bought HBO, but will buy HBO Max?
1: Well, we think there's, you know, a hundred and a hundred some million people in the country that, you know, that would be on that list. And, you know, while I'm being a little flippant about it, you know, we do know that there are people who, you know, for many years have said, uh, HBO isn't for me. You know, they don't program the kinds of things that I like, or maybe they have kids and there's not a lot of kids programming. We hope that when you realize that HBO Max is so much more than just HBO, you might be interested in subscribing And I also think in reverse, this will accrue to HBO's benefit because I think there are some people who don't think that HBO is right for them but just don't know how much great content is in there. And I think when it's put together on one platform, it'll all be served up together. And I think you will find content that you might otherwise not have known about that could be great for you. And specifically, we can talk about this all day long, you know, it's Friends, and it's South Park, and it's Big Bang Theory, and it's, you know, 400 classic movies, and, you know, it's The West Wing, and all of the great HBO shows, which you may or may not know about, um, and then new things that we're going to serve up to you for the next several years that is just going to keep accruing to, hopefully, kids and, and all, as I said, the all the other demos. It's Sesame Street, it's... You know, the Ghibli film library, it's anime, it's programming from everything from, you know, Adult Swim and DC Comics and Looney Tunes and CNN Films. I mean, there's so much great content in the totality of it that we think it will be really exciting once we, you know, get that word out.
0: You guys sent me a a box full of branded merch, uh, including a puzzle. Yes. Uh, which I was glad to have in the pandemic and we put together the puzzle and it's also sort of, I think the, the main branding you're doing in your posters, there's a lot of women in uh, it's got, you've got an array of characters that are in gonna be available in HBO max. And it struck me that I saw a lot of women there and then I, I thought, is that a coincidence? And then I saw you in I think a variety piece saying, or someone saying this is sort of aimed at a female audience that maybe hadn't bought HBO. Before is it? You didn't say that just now. Is that a fair way to talk about it? You know what? I didn't say it
1: because um, I, I, it really comes down to that's a point for where we're going with the Max originals more than everything else. Just because mm-hmm. what we know of HBO to date is that it skews a little bit more male than female. So we thought, well, let's you know go the other way a little bit in the in the new originals that are coming from the Max side, um, but. This uh, just to be clear, the entire HBO Max service is not meant to focus on one or the other, men or women. It's really meant to speak to everyone, both, you know, genders and all the age groups. Um, and, you know, sometimes, you know, I look at this, the, the marketing materials, there's a plethora of characters from the IP at this company that we could have chosen. And you'll see it in different forms. You know, there's smaller versions of this and, and larger ones. And when you see the whole group that you refer to, yes, there's Wonder Women and the, you know, the women from Friends and Khaleesi from, you know, Game of Thrones and of course Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. I think it's just serendipitous that there may be more women than men on that You know, uh, key art.
0: Anna Kendrick's in it. She's one of your stars in the originals, right? Yep. Yep. How do you determine what is an HBO show? So HBO remains HBO. They're still making HBO. They have their entire organization. You sort of spun up a new HBO Max programming unit. So how how do you guys determine internally, is this an HBO show? Is this an HBO Max show? And how do you work that out?
1: You know, uh, it's two things. First of all, these teams work really closely together. And sometimes there's crossover. And They often speak to each other and say, what do you think? Does this make more sense for HBO or for HBO, uh, for a Max original? Um, That's gone really smoothly. But at the end of the day, I don't think there's going to be a great deal of overlap because we're consciously trying to let HBO continue to flourish in its lane or its lanes. And then the Max originals around it and the original movies that we're doing through Warner Max, which is a partnership with Warner Brothers and, and HBO Max, are meant to complement what HBO does. So, you know, if if you're out in the marketplace with a show that, you know, really speaks to a 20-something, you know, young woman, the odds are you'll come to Max before you'll come to HBO. And by and large, it's been pretty clean. Now, there will be overlap and things that that both might look at, but you know, so far it's been, it's been a pretty easy process. At the end of the day, both of these slates of programming are going to be in the platform together. So hopefully the consumer won't be thinking, Oh, what's an HBO show? What's a Mac show? It'll all just be in there. But at the moment, you know, we also have the HBO linear channel that will continue. So there is a need to have a, an HBO separate brand. Um, and, uh, it's been working out pretty well is that important
0: a couple years from now 5 years from now that i hit the hbo max app and i know that something is an hbo show as opposed to something else is it still important for me down the road to understand that that's a different thing
1: i think the hbo brand will always be important and will never you know just meld into something larger at the same time you know we've made it easy on the app and i don't know if you've been taken through what it looks like but we have these programming hubs in there, which we think is a great way to help customers navigate through the morass of, of what these services now can can be. We know it takes nine, an average of nine minutes for someone to find something they're interested in watching on an SVOD service. We're trying to cut that down. And one of the reasons or one of the ways to do that is with these hubs. So you scroll down a little bit and you will see a big HBO tab and you can immediately just go into HBO land, right? And, and be there, but you can also go into, you know, a DC comics tab or DC universe tab or a, you know, adult swim or a Sesame street. So we're trying to make the brands easy for you to find, but at the same time, I believe brands will always matter. And, you know, I think that's one of our real, you know, advantages as opposed to, everything's just in the superstore and good luck finding it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was just talking uh, uh, to the folks at Netflix about the earlier days when they started like really sort of seeing what would happen when they took Breaking Bad and a lot of people to sort of catch up. And they were saying, and this is clear, it was obvious as a consumer that you could see this, but they were saying that the networks were starting to understand that the danger for them was that people began to think that Breaking Bad was a Netflix show. Uh, that was a problem for AMC and Sony. I mean, it's not a problem for you. In the end, you don't really care if I understand the plot against America is an HBO show and South Park is not. As long as I'm consuming them, you're happy.
1: Yes. I think I want to talk out of both sides of my mouth, so I uh-huh. will. But I do think there's a customer that, you know, isn't, doesn't really care about brands and just is looking for programs they want to watch. And I think that's a lot of people, don't get me wrong, but I also think there is still value in brands I- inside this larger ecosystem. And so to be able to say, you know, we have these HBO shows or we have these, you know, adult swim shows, I think is, is also an advantage. So we're trying to have our cake and eat it, too. Um, but at the end of the day, I want as many people as possible to find, you know, succession and not have to go oh where is that hbo show succession um, so i think it's both yep. and and we have the advantage of of these great brands and you know we don't want to just dilute them by lumping it all together
0: i'm at home you're well, i'm guessing at home yes. um that's an obvious effect of, of the pandemic Another obvious one is you guys haven't been able to finish shows you were planning on on bringing out this spring and summer. Talk about what launching a a giant service in a pandemic from your house is like.
1: Well, uh, as you can imagine, I've been asked this question a lot over the last
0: uh, eight or 10 weeks. That's why I didn't ask it right away. Yeah, no, it's
1: it's a good and fair question. And something that at the beginning of this in mid-March, we were not sure what, what we could do and how to do it. And I think the entire world was trying to figure out how do we continue our businesses in a completely different way from home? And so we quickly assessed the situation and decided, well, can the tech platform continue to be built? And can the content be finished? And can everything be done, the marketing be executed from home? And we all agreed that we could do it. And so, you know, we've we brought this thing to the final lap here with very little interruption. And it's really kind of still surprising to me that that's the case. We did shut down all of our productions um, across HBO and HBO Max and Warner Brothers Television and everything. And that will have some ramifications the longer it takes to get back up and running. But we don't know the answer to that yet. And the good news is that 95% of what we were planning to have at launch and throughout the summer is ready to go and will be there and no one will know the difference there's a couple of things behind the scenes that we'd have to we have to shift and delay a little bit both on the HBO front and the Max Originals front
0: did you have to rush anything up stuff that was supposed to be ready later in the year but it's you know it was the production was done you just had to like like the way that ESPN had to move up the last dance by several months
1: yeah look we were able to and this is not an HBO Max example but it comes to mind we were able to move um we have a show called the alienist which is a tnt show um the second season is ready and it has been ready so we decided to move that up several weeks um for just you know tnt has a different uh issue because we lost the ncaa and hundreds of hours of basketball fell out so they have been shifting linear shows around like, scrambling since, since mid-March. So that caused the need to maybe pull some things up, which we were able to do. I think there, th- there's a lot of shuffling behind the scenes, but nothing that anyone will really notice. The most um, newsworthy one, of course, is the Friends reunion special, which we were so thrilled to pull together after all these years and get them, you know, all back into this reunion. And that was meant for day one. And we were actually ready to load the set into the stage, which is we're recreating, you know, the apartment again. And we were ready to do all that on March, I think, 10th. And you are going to pay the, March, the
0: cast an enormous amount of money to show up and talk about as a reunion special. It's a reunion special.
1: They're not playing their characters, but the set right. is they're going to do it to some, to, to, for some of it on the set because everyone loves that apartment set. But yes, it's, it's a reunion show, not, you know, they're not playing those characters again. But we were ready to go, and then we had to stop down. And now we're trying to figure out when we can get it produced. We don't want to have to do it as a WebEx call. you know. I, I don't want those six friends to have little squares on a screen. I'd like them to be in a room together. We also would love to have a live audience there because it's such an electric yeah. um, experience for people. We're going to bring, if we can do this, we're going to bring friends, fans in from you know, around the world. And we still want to hold out to pull that off, but it remains to be seen, you know, how far we have to delay it. If it gets to be too delayed, we may do something more virtual, but we really want to get, you know, these six actors back together and in front of a live audience.
0: Hey, this is Peter, and I'm going to interrupt this conversation really briefly so we can hear from sponsor. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. And we're back with Bob Greenblatt. Did you guys seriously consider changing the the strategy, delaying the date? And I'll, I'll fold in Quibi here. And did watching what Quibi went through as they launched a, a video platform in a pandemic alter your thinking at all?
1: Um, we didn't seriously think about delaying the service beyond maybe I don't know a couple of days of of thinking. You know, we we thought, is it you know somehow going to be disingenuous to have a new service like this come to market at this moment can we can we physically get it finished and quickly realize that a we could and b in fact as we saw people with a growing desire to watch more content from home we thought well this might be actually the perfect thing to offer to people at this moment in time not knowing how long it would it would go um so it was just a couple of days of of really thinking through can we Totally execute it, and um, as I said before, all systems go. And on the Quibi front, they have a completely different business model and product than we do. And I, I look, I know they have been having some, you know, challenges getting this penetrated because it was designed, it was you know, literally designed to be for people on the run and on the go. And, you know, they're dealing with that and I have no doubt that they will, you know, meet that challenge. For us, it's a, it's a different product. And as I said before, ideal for you to have, you know, at home with family or with loved ones and not have to worry about, you know, venturing out into the world.
0: And you get new stuff or stuff that's new to you to watch. So that's, that's an easy ask. Do you, do you think that Quibi's problem is their format and, and sort of the phone idea or, or it's the stuff they were asking us to watch? You know what?
1: Um, we're investors in Quibi and I, I'm rooting for them to win. So um, I think it's probably more, you know, the issue of what the world is going through. Um, they have a lot of great stuff to offer. And, you know, Hollywood has really rallied To to Quibi and there's great shows by lots of people, some of whom are are good friends of mine. So we're really rooting for them to to succeed.
0: It was a politic answer. You you used to run NBC Entertainment. Before that, you ran Showtime. As you were running those two companies, we were watching the ascent of Netflix. And I'm if you time travel back, did you understand what Netflix was doing and sort of the threat to established media they were they were going to pose at the time, or did you? not see it?
1: I would say yes and no. And by the way, I'm not sure they did either, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the no front, you know, we, we did all sell our greatest content to them. Now, we benefited greatly. They paid us handsomely at a time when other revenue streams were drying up, like syndication. So it made great sense. And, you know, we didn't think that it would penetrate to the degree it would, nor did we think the whole world would be moving in this direction. Except there are some really bright men, uh, you know, who did foresee that, Peter Turnin and Jeff Zucker, and they put together a little service called Hulu, which was specifically designed to go direct to the consumer with broadcast television content, right? So, and of course they brought Disney in quickly uh, at the beginning of that process, and CBS chose to stay out for their own reasons. But I will say, you know, simultaneously, we sold a lot of library content to Netflix, but at, but at the same time, built a service for the broadcast networks, at least, to, you know, bring their content direct to the consumer. And then over the coming years, the world changed. And I think the smartest companies woke up and said, wow, we should maybe be doing this ourselves direct-to-consumer instead of letting a third party do it. Hulu still exists, and, you know, it's now been, the ownership has changed a bit, but we benefited greatly from Hulu at at NBC over those years and from Netflix. Um, A few years ago, I was on the bandwagon at NBC saying, we need to go direct-to-consumer separate from Hulu and bring all that content um, back from Netflix or stop selling to Netflix. And that didn't take root as quickly as I'd hoped it would. And I was really thrilled to get the opportunity to do this in the Warner company. But, you know, I don't think when we look back on this, we will think that it was the greatest result for our businesses that we let Netflix become this behemoth and and have to then try to catch up to them in the meantime. By the way, I also think that there's room for three or four or five of these services in, in anyone's, you know, given personal bundle of, you know, S5 services. And Netflix is great. I love it. I, I'm a fan as a consumer. Um, so more power to them. And, you know, we want to be there too, along with Disney and along with Amazon. And um, so, you know, we're not crying over spilt milk, but we're just in a in a catch-up phase, which we're working really hard and, and quickly to meet.
0: Yeah, I, st- I still think it's one of the most amazing business stories in a long time where willing, wittingly or unwittingly, you and Netflix trained everyone to watch your best stuff on their platform um, without commercials and on demand. And turns out people loved it. Anything else that that history is informing now that you're chasing after Netflix? You know, we, all right, we built this up. Now we got to go after them.
1: The only thing I'll say, and of course, it's really self-serving, is that I really believe that at the end of the day, and I don't know if that's 10 years now going forward and looking back, the, the real winners will be the platforms and the services that know how to deliver the best content. That sounds really obvious uh, and a no-brainer, and maybe it is, but I think we will have an advantage, Disney will have an advantage, and, you know, I'm putting air quotes around an advantage. Obviously, Netflix is, is wildly successful. But I think pound for pound, show for show, dollar put in to build content versus upside coming out, the winners will be the companies that have been creating content for 50, 60, 70, 100 years. And that's what we bring to the table with, you know, Warner Brothers and HBO and and, uh, CNN and Turner.
0: Because there is this thing going on with Netflix right now where they're putting up content that you didn't know you wanted to see and maybe it even isn't that good. Um, and it draws huge numbers like Spencer Confidential. It's a Mark Wahlberg movie that looks like a, you know, not very good. I saw it. It's not very good. Um, and that that's solely a sort of a, a function of their size, right? They can push this out to 200 million people and half of them will watch it. And it sounds like what you're arguing is like eventually like capacity to tell stories and, and that history of knowing how to make this stuff will 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 help you catch up.
1: Yeah. And uh, agreed. And I would add that we are, and we've talked about this a lot, we're trying to be a curated service, which means 10,000 hours as opposed to 40 or 50 or 70,000 hours as some of our competitors have. And for that, I think uh, the consumer will appreciate that we have done them a service in eliminating the 30 or 40,000 hours of stuff that you're never going to watch and you're never going to find in the platform anyway. We know the statistic of you know, the top 100 titles drive 50% of of the usage, 100 titles. So there's 40,000 hours to drive the rest of the usage. We're trying to, you know, slice a lot of that away. And hopefully people will come to know that, you know, more often than not, when you're searching through our platform, you're going to find something you like or want to watch versus, you know, all of the constant rolling through of content that you have to do to get to, to the things that you like.
0: I know you love all your content equally. They're all your children. You love them all equally, uh, your content. I hate saying it. But what show or movie that, that's coming out um, that I haven't seen that's going to be on HBO Max are you most excited about?
1: Well, of, of the Max originals, we have a really, I think, a, a, a really beautifully done new show called Love Life, which is uh, starring Anna Kendrick and produced by Paul Feig and Anna, which... Has a real voice, I think, to it and a and a vision. And it's about a young woman, you know, it's her love life. But it's not just week-to-week exploits. It really, in 10 episodes, tries to show you her entire love life from her first serious relationship to, you know, her eventually finding the love of her life, which takes several years. So it's compressed in a time frame. It's really interesting. Um, it's a bit of a love letter to New York City also, which I'm I'm happy about. And I just think it will have a real authentic sound to, you know, a, a younger audience. And, you know, not to overlook the HBO content, which is part and parcel of this platform, there's an extraordinary new complete reboot of Perry Mason coming this summer with Matthew Reese, mm-hmm. which is going back to the original, you know, tone of the novels. And then this extraordinary thing called Lovecraft Country from Jordan Peele's production company.
0: Yeah, very excited about that.
1: Simultaneously really an interesting social comment on race to some degree, but also a scary thrill ride. And the combo and it's also JJ Abrams company as well. The the combo of that I think is really going to be arrested. Plus we have I don't know, I can go on forever, but we also have, you know, Doom Patrol coming which is, you know, this great DC universe show that's moving into hbo max we have Rid- ridley scott's race by wolves coming which is just unlike anything I, I asked, you've seen. i asked you for one
0: Sorry, i asked you for one stop. good um you didn't mention the snyder cut uh, of oh. justice league so i think half of our audience will be very well versed in snyder cut and the rest of it can google it but this is sort of a almost apocryphal uh, uh movie and, and you guys are going to come out with a new cut of justice league next year when did you decide you were going to do that. It's almost a running joke, the Snyder Cut. When release the Snyder Cut, release the Snyder Cut. I know. You've um, re- decided to release it. When did you make that call?
1: Well, it's been months of discussions with with Zach and the producers to figure out how to do it, because it isn't as easy as just going into the vault and there's a Snyder Cut sitting there to put out. It's, it does
0: not exist. It Snyder does Cut.
1: not exist. Zach is, is actually building it, and it's complex, including, and I don't want to get into too much detail, but we haven't already talked about yet, but um, new effects shots. And, you know, it's it's a radical rethinking of that of that movie. And it's complicated and and wildly expensive, which is, of course, a number I won't
0: quote, but... I've seen 20 million and 30 million, so I'm assuming it's around that.
1: Yeah, I, I'll just say I wish it was just 30 million and stop there. But <laughs> um, it's a enormous undertaking and very complex. We had to get... You know, we had to go to the, you know, to the, to the unions and get certain things, you know, clear with them about what we were doing. And is the Snyder cut a, a new movie or is it a, you know, is it a recut? There's lots of complexity that the fan doesn't know about, and we weren't just sitting around going, "Let's not talk to those fans for as long as we can. Let's drive them crazy." We were actually spending a lot of time trying to figure out how to do this, and there's many, many hurdles to jump over, and once we saw that we could do it all and figured out the right economics, you know, which was literally, you know, within the last week, we said, all right, let's get this news out there because, um, you
0: so know. So this wasn't something we were sitting on it for months going, oh, this is a great way to have a, a you know, pre-launch pop. No, of- we
1: were really trying, we were trying very hard to be able to announce it before the launch because we knew it would be, very well received, but um, we started talking about it. I want to say in last fall.
0: Seriously. Yeah. No, I was asking Kevin, your your comms guy, that I was, I was talking to John Stanky last fall, and someone saying you should have asked John Stanky about the Snyder Cut, and I said I don't I don't think the 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 uh, COO of AT and would be familiar with the Snyder Cut. I said no, no, no. Everyone who works at Warner Media is very aware of the Snyder Cut. You get informed right away.
1: Somebody flew a plane over the Warner Brothers lot, uh, you know, a few months ago that said, release the Snyder Cut. And it's like, wow. I mean, I, I want to believe that wasn't Zack Snyder who was flying the plane, but, but you know, it, it's crazy and we're excited. Part of what we need to do with this new platform is bring um, big events to it. And the Friends reunion is a big event. I'm sorry not to have it, you know, on day one, but I've, I'll be thrilled to have it you know, in, in the next few months and Snyder cuts next year. And we have to do more and more of that in addition to all the other many, many things that we're doing.
0: You got a lot of work to do, Bob. I will let you go. Thank you for uh, taking time and putting up with my tech problems. Thank you. Um, I, good luck.
1: I'm, I, I will see you uh, as a proud HBO Max subscriber soon, right?
0: Um, I'm already an HBO Now subscriber, so yes. Excellent. Yeah. Yes. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks again to Bob Greenblatt. Thanks again to Jelani and Joel who produced this show and edited it. We do really good work. Thanks again to our sponsors who let us listen to this show for free. We love our sponsors. Thanks again to you guys for listening. Thanks for writing. Some of you have written in with suggestions for future guests. Keep them coming. Very much appreciated. And again, we've got new stuff coming for you next week, the week after that. We're going to keep coming. Lots of good stuff coming down the pike. We'll see you very soon.